Good morning and a very happy Easter to you. We're delighted you're here with us, particularly if this is your first time. Uh, we really are so delighted that you've managed to join us. I, I just want to um, talk about a few things this morning. If I could give this talk a name, I'd say it's called Everything Changes because that's the reality of knowing Jesus and being in his presence. Absolutely everything has changed. It's something we don't always maybe realise or haven't had our eyes open to understand it, but that's the reality. When we know and encounter Jesus, everything changes. And my hope is today I'm going to show you just enough for you to be able to discover the fact that everything's changed. You know, I'm going to keep this illustration brief because I know some of you aren't so keen on football illustrations, but just bear with me for this one. Maybe forget the football bit and cling on to the picture that I'm trying to paint. You know, I've found that throughout the pandemic, particularly after the first lockdown, that they spaced the football out. They've negotiated with the TV companies and all of that and the TV providers to ensure that there's pretty much a game on uh, what feels like virtually every day. And so the kids have said to me loads of times, they're like, what? Like there's another game on and I'm like... Yeah. And uh, anyway, I live with, with three girls. There's, there's Steph and our two daughters. And if you count it, I live with five because we've got two guinea pigs that are girls as well. But what I'm trying to say by telling you that is watching the football is often not on the wider household's list of most important things to do. In fact, I'd actually say quite the opposite. And the resistance can sometimes surface in quite extreme measures. So it didn't take me long to realise and to work out that the best solution was going to be for me to record a game and then watch it when the kids are in bed. It just works better for all involved. Now the trouble is, have you ever watched something that you really want to watch after the time that it's happened. It's kind of a bit of a minefield because one, you you know it's already happened, which is just a mind game in itself. But the, the other thing and the more important thing is it seems that everything in life, everything in the world is just trying to spoil it for you. So, of course, I'd do the standard stuff like I'd, I'd avoid all social media. I wouldn't read the news. I wouldn't go on the BBC sport app. But somehow, somewhere, something or someone would, would just crop up to tell me the result, which would then significantly change my engagement with the game once I know the result. And I find if you know the result, it just kind of messes with your mind. It lessens your desire to, to watch it. So I would always do my best to avoid all forms of communication. On a normal day, Like you'd, you'd get the text like, oh, mate, you must be gutted. And it's like... Or I kind of know the result now. Or, you know, I oh, what a win. Like, wow, that was phenomenal. And it's like, you know that, it's game over. So the only way I've found to, to like work through this or to sort this is basically to have a complete blackout of everything. So I would turn my phone off. I'd cut out all other sources or devices that just needed to be disabled until I'd managed to catch up on the game later that evening. The trouble I found is even then it can still be hard because I would be watching a game and I'd be halfway through a game and, you know, would be losing badly or whatever. The temptation 
to turn your phone on and just check the result to see if it's even worth bothering watching becomes a lot higher. Or that desire gets greater even further you go into a game. There's like 20 minutes left of a game and you're watching and you're losing. And I almost want to put myself out of misery and just save myself those 20 minutes in life and go and do something else. Now, for those of you who are thinking like, goodness me, Paul, you you need help. Well, there's a couple of things. One is, yeah, probably do. The other one is, I don't think I'm alone in this. I think there must be others of you that are functioning like this. You might just not have shared it yet. But anyway, what is fascinating maybe for you is just to the inner workings of, of my mind. Um, but what's, what's, what's the point? You know, can we just stop talking about football? Let's stop that now. But here's the point. Here's what I'm trying to say and drive home is that sometimes we act and we live and we think like we don't know the result. But we do. I've read, as of some of you, the book. I've read the Bible. Everything changed at Easter. Jesus lived Jesus died and crucially, Jesus rose from the dead and is alive right now. Knowing what happened after he died changes the whole mindset and the whole of our outlook. We know and we get to live knowing the result. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul who wrote the the book in the Bible, he said this, Christ died for our sins just as the scriptures said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day just as the scriptures said. You see the central theme of the gospel, the central theme of the good news of Jesus is found in these verses and there's kind of three things. Firstly, Jesus died for our sins. Jesus' death on a cross was no accident or afterthought. It had been part of God's plan for all of eternity in order to bring about the salvation for all who believe. And I'll explain a bit more about what we mean by that in a minute. Secondly, he was buried. You know, the fact of Jesus' death is revealed in the fact that he was buried. Many have tried to discount the, the actual death of Jesus But Jesus did in fact die and his burial in a tomb was kind of a part of that. And then thirdly, he was raised from the dead on the third day as the the scriptures, sorry, said. Jesus was raised permanently and he was raised forever. His father raised him from the dead on the third day, as noted in the Gospels in the Bible. You know, interestingly, very few people debate Jesus. The debate they have is to who he was and the importance of it. You know, was he a prophet or a teacher or just a good person? Or was he, as he claimed to be, the son of the living God? C.S. Lewis, a quite a famous writer, wrote this. He said, a man who was merely a man and said the sorts of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be insane or he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice, he writes. Either Jesus was and is the son of God or else he was insane or evil. But C.S. Lewis goes on to say, let us not come up with some patronising nonsense about him being a great human teacher. He's not left that open to us. He did not intend to. 
You know, sometimes our realisation of who he is comes in our realisation of our need for him. Some might not think they have a need for him. But let me just give you three reasons. Firstly, you have a past. Secondly, you have a present. And thirdly, you have a future. Let me just kind of expand on each of those. You have a past. You know, actually, so do I. I have a past. As Jesus said, as sorry, as I said a moment ago, Jesus said that he died for our sins. You know, so that's not a particular comfortable word at the moment. Nobody likes to be told they have sins. You know, we prefer to water down what the word sins might be. You know, it's the little things we do. It's the half-truths, the, the habits that might annoy a family member. It's just the little thing that you do when you're hungry, angry, lonely or tired. It's the thing that we might often feel, well, it, it doesn't really matter. You know, it doesn't really have consequences, does it? You know, I'm not, I'm not a sinner. Actually, I'm a good person overall. I, I hear people say that quite often, actually. Sometimes slightly different language, but the principle being the same. You know, it's like I look at the news and there's, gosh, there is some bad stuff out there. But I'm not a bad person. Some people do stuff, but I'm I'm not like that. My Or maybe they say it another way. Sometimes I hear people say, well, yeah, but my, my good outweighs my bad. You know? The problem, though, really about this is it's not about being good or bad. It's not about having a set of scales that somehow offsets the good versus the bad. It's really about being dead or alive. See, the Bible says in Ephesians 2 verse 1, it says, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and many sins. The problem is not, are you good or bad? The problem is, are you dead or alive? Which from my reading of that is actually a slightly bigger problem because being a bit bad and it being offset by a bit of good is is maybe one thing and that might keep you on somebody's Christmas card list. But being dead, well, that's a whole different ballpark. Now, some of us know the mess that we're in. I, I know I'm, I'm a mess. I don't need anybody to tell me or convince me, you know, of some of the weaknesses, brokenness, the pains, the stuff that I've done, the stuff that I've said, the stuff that even unintentionally would collide with other people in their life and that kind of thing. That happens all the time. Some people would say, well, you only need... God, if you if you need a crutch, you know, something that's going to get you through a way of coping and something to help you uh, limp through something or limp through life. I, I guess I want to say, actually, it's kind of worse than that, if I'm honest. It's not about having a crutch. It's about having a life support machine because you and I were created to live in relationship with God. And until we find that relationship... There will always be something missing in our lives. And as a result, you could say there's a gap in our lives. And people try and fill that gap with all sorts of things. Relationship, drinking, earning lots, spending lots, you know, whatever it might be. You could probably say right now a load of things that people do to fill that gap. And even the closest um, human relationships, as good as they and as wonderful as they might be, they're not in themselves enough to satisfy that deep emptiness or that gap that is in ourselves. Nothing is going to fill that gap except a relationship with God because that's what we were created and we were designed for. So if you're still with me, just bear with me because you might be thinking like, hang on a minute, 
Oh, we men be happy. This is this is Easter Sunday. I've turned up here for the first time, and you're telling me that I'm dead. Well, thank you very much. Happy Easter. You know, I think I'll just stick to eating my mini eggs and crack on with life, actually. Well, before you do, nothing wrong with eating mini eggs, by the way. I, I've started in the worst place to try and take you to the better place. Because, yeah, you have a past, but you also have a present. Now, you don't need me to tell you that you've got a present, because whilst you may not have thought you were dead, you certainly know that you're here in the present. So you don't, you don't, I guess what I want to say is you don't have to stay dead. If you're dead, what you need to do is know that you can have life and to have life, what you need is somebody who overcame death. Does that make sense? So don't feel I'm having a go at you by saying you're dead, because if you're dead, you ought to realise that that was or that could be all of us. Not just some of us, but all of us. So whatever you say you have or haven't done, all of us at one point would have been dead because we were all dead in our sin. Now, the greatest thing we need in life, even if we're not aware of it, is actually forgiveness. And by Jesus' death on the cross, he made it possible for us to be forgiven and to be brought into relationship with God. Ephesians 2 says all of us. Now, that by my reading is like all of us. So not just some of us, but all of us. So it says all of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. We were dead, that's the past, but now the present presents us with an opportunity and with life. It goes on verse 4, it says this in, in the Bible, it says, But God is so rich in mercy and he loves us so much. God, you could just dwell on that. God is so rich in mercy. He loves us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's not only by God's grace. Sorry, it is only by God's grace that you have been saved. See, we pass from death to life, not because of us, but because of Jesus. The key and the gateway to life, therefore, is not because of us. It's because of Jesus. And it's found and life and its fullness is found in the one who overcame death on our behalf and offers us life. Now, I know the end of the story. I've read the book. I know the result. Jesus didn't just die. That had kind of been some ending. But he overcame death. And he therefore holds the keys to life itself. He offers you, he presents you an opportunity to receive life. Now, the interesting thing is that it's a free gift that cost him everything and costs you nothing but also cost you everything. <laughs> let me let me say that again because you might be like, hold on, it's Sunday morning. I've had one too many mini eggs. That that was a bit confusing. Well, it kind of is. It's a free gift that cost him everything and cost you nothing, but also cost you everything. So it's like, what? Say say that again. Well, let me explain. Can can I explain that by saying this? You have a future. You have a past, a present, you have a future. Jesus died 
to pay a price for our sins. Romans, a book in the Bible says in this, in Romans 6, uh, chapter 6, verse 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So there's a free gift on the table. It cost Jesus his life to get it for us. 1 Corinthians 6.20 said, God bought you with a high price. The high price was it cost God the life of his son. It, it, it costs us nothing, but it cost him his life. It's free to us. Romans 3.24 says this, yet God with undeserved kindness. We, kind of, we don't deserve this thing, but he still offers it. Yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. So it's completely free, but it costs us absolutely nothing. That's so important for us to know. So why did I then say... But it costs us everything. Is that, is that some kind of like weird trick thing going on here? Well, no. But let's just read 1 Corinthians 6, 19. It says, you do not belong to yourself for God bought you with a high price. So you must honour God with your body. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we might be right with God through Christ. Wow. I mean, hang on a minute. That takes some taking in. We, because of Jesus, we have a future. We can move from death to life and live in the fullness of that. Chapter 6, verse 1, as God partners, we beg you not to accept this marvellous gift of kindness and then ignore it. For God says at the right time, I heard you on the day, on the day of salvation. I helped you indeed. The right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. I can't think of a better day to choose as a day for you to be free from your past and know Jesus more fully. But everything changes when we know the result. It says this, and I, I beg you, it says, I beg you not to accept this marvellous gift of God's kindness and ignore it. Can I, can I beg you to know that and hear you? I beg you. Don't accept the marvellous gift, the free gift, and then ignore it. You know, we don't hear who he is. We don't see all that he's done and the life that he offers and then ignore it. Of course we don't. This redefines our whole future. It's free, but it costs everything because it changes everything. Yes, there is a heaven part of that. You know, this, this gives us access to the fullness of life ongoing in the heavenly realm. But, you know, we often use this little phrase in the, in the vineyard and I, I kind of love it and I think it relates right right now. It's not pie in the sky when you die, but it's steak on the plate while you wait. You know, yeah, I believe in life after death, but I also believe in life before death because Jesus calls us to the fullness of life and the fullness of life can only be found in him because he is life and he is life because he overcame death and he paid the price for us all so that we need not be separated from God, but actually fall into the fullness of that life that is on offer. John three sixteen again in the Bible, in the book of John, says this, For God, so lo God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only Son, so that whoever 
believes in him will not perish but have eternal life like wow Whew. but it doesn't end there you know if you feel an element of condemnation when you hear about sin don't hear that hear the opportunity for freedom that is found in Jesus because God sent his son not to judge the world but to save the world through him 1 John 5 11 and this is what God has testified. He gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Life is in Jesus. Life is in the Son. Whoever has the Son has life. I just, I guess really, what, what do I want to do today? I just want to tell you the result. To be honest with you, I want to I want to call you, I want to text you, I want to put you in touch with some people who know the result. You know, it might have been for a while in life that your phone was off, but honestly, can I tell you this? I know the result. Can I can I tell you the result? Not only did Jesus die, but he rose again, and that's what we celebrate today. He conquered death. Today we celebrate the fact that he is alive and living right now. Whoever has the Son has life. Jesus changed my life. I'm not who I was. In fact, I don't think he would even recognise who I used to be. I'm not even who I'm going to be because he's in the process of still changing and reforming and refining me into his likeness. When we trust in Jesus, we make an exchange. He takes our sin and he makes us right with God. He offers us life. We move from death into life and we find the fullness of life. Our, our sin was laid on Jesus in the crucifixion. His righteousness was given to us when we choose to follow him. You know, in a, in a world where kind of bartering works, when two people exchange goods of relatively equal value to themselves, they, it's, it's just not like that. God offers to trade his righteousness for our sin, something of immeasurable worth for something completely worthless, something actually holding us in death. We're now offered life itself. How grateful, therefore, we should be for his kindness to us. And you know the reality, it changes everything. Because we're no longer dead, now we're able to be alive. But we have to choose to place all that we are and all that we have in his hands and for his glory. Whoever has the Son has life. You have a past, you have a present, but oh my goodness me, do you have in him a future. Can I, can I invite you to into that life, to consider that life, to realise that life, you know, to, to know the result, to know what this is all about. The meaning and the purpose and the understanding of who he is changes everything. Some of you right now, I believe you may want to pray a prayer. Some of you will have prayed it before and you just want to reflect and dwell on it again to even actually say, I want to realign myself with Jesus. I want everything to change. I want to come to the realisation and understanding of who he is. Let me just pray a short prayer. You want to, might want to pray a similar prayer just just in your own head or in this moment. I just want to say, choose to just declare a holy moment right now as you pray this. I'm sorry, Jesus, for the things that I've done that are wrong in my life. And you might just now want to take a few moments to do that. Even some particular things might spring to mind or be in your conscious now. And you, you almost want to say, well, 
please forgive me. I want to turn from everything that I know is wrong. And thank you that you died on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven and set free. Thank you that you offer me forgiveness and the gift of your spirit. And right now I want to choose life. I want to choose the fullness of that life. I want to ask and invite you to come and live in me through the power of your spirit for the rest of my life and change me to be more like you. Please, I just invite you now, come into my life. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I trust that is helpful to you this morning to reflect on that maybe afresh or even for the first time. I'd encourage you, if you just prayed that prayer, if you just took that moment, share it with one of us. We'd love to share with you some resources to stand alongside you to encourage you for, for all that the days ahead are. But today we celebrate Jesus. We celebrate his resurrection and the resurrection life that we find in him. And we want to wish you a very, very happy Easter indeed in the knowledge and the security of that. And we look forward to seeing you soon. Take care.